0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the uh, Who says the honeymoon is uh, has to end? I want to have a caveat at the beginning of this class. If you are single and you have mistakenly made your way into this room, exit the back door right now. You will be struggling for the next year, and uh, so uh, if you are single, leave quickly. But uh, welcome to the Who Says the, the Honeymoon Has to End. Uh, we're excited. I've got the privilege of, of teaching this class with Phil Booker. And uh, so if you know me and you know Phil, w- hopefully this class will be uh, it'll be good, it'll be deep, and it will be entertaining. Uh, so uh, hopefully we'll have a few good nuggets for you. But uh, before we get started here, let's go ahead and start off the w- word of prayer. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you so much for... The amazing grace and compassion that you've lavished on all of our lives and allowing us to be saved. And we also thank you so much for not only allowing us to be saved, but allowing us to be married. Uh, Father, I know that uh, uh, the time and, and many different things on the outside tries to beat us up and beat our marriages up. But God, I pray that uh, here today that you'll just allow your Holy Spirit to speak and move powerfully. As we talk about a few nuggets of things that we can all do, starting with Phil and I. Uh, that can help keep our marriages fresh, can keep them romantic, can keep them exciting, so our marriages can be everything that you have called them to be, so we can glorify and honor you uh, through our lives, through our marriages, through our family, and through everything we do. We love you. We praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Go ahead and be turning your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 5. As I said, uh, the, the title of the message is, Who Says the Honeymoon Has to End?, Phil and I thought about renaming it Me, Tarzan, you, Jane. And so uh, uh, in a marriage, we want a marriage to be exciting. Uh, We want it to be full of love. We want it to be full of sex. We want it to be full of joy. We want it to be filled with happiness and all those things. And, uh, you know, Phil and I were talking about this class and we're like, you know what? There's probably... True, Two groups of people that want to come to a class like this. You know, the first group of people is, man, you you may be newly married and you're like, okay guys, just give us the silver bullet so we can have a long, successful, passionate marriage. So I don't make some of the mistakes of some of these other marriages that I look at and see. And so if you're there... There's no silver bullet, but hopefully we'll get you a few nuggets that are, that are going to help you out today. To like and then, you know, the other uh, group of people may be some people that, like Phil and I, you know, I've been married for 18 and a half years. Maybe you've been married for 20 years, 25 years, 20, 30 years. And you're like, you know what, I've, I've lost a little bit of that passion. I've lost a little bit of that fire and that desire between me and my wife, <clears throat> And I would sure like to get that back. And once again, there is no silver bullet. Uh, there's no magic pill to take uh, to get the oomph the and the excitement and the romance back in your marriage. But once again, I hope and pray that we will have a few things to say, give you a few nuggets that will help you out today. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to talk for a few minutes uh, about just a couple things of the heart. And then Phil's going to come up here in a minute and give you some great practicals. I do want to give a quick plug-in, though, for a hero of mine. If you want some really, really good... Because te- this is a daunting task. We're, we're talking about how to, how to put some oomps-ba uh, uh, in, your, in your marriage in 45 minutes. It's like there's only so much that, that Phil and I can do. But one thing I would recommend, it be about the best $13 you've ever spent. Go downstairs, see Sam Lang... By the book, hot and holy. And I mean, every chapter, man, hot and holy, the sound of love, the sights of love, the fragrance of love, the taste of love, the touch of love my sister, my bride, my wife, and read his book, devour his book. I got the the privilege of being trained by him for four years, and he is an amazing man. He has an incredible marriage. You think he's a good church leader. He's a 10 times better husband and father than he ever thought about being a church leader, and he's a doggone good church leader. He is an amazing man. Go buy his book. Go plead with your evangelist. Take, hey, bring Sam into our church and teach the, the the workshop on hot and holy. I know he's already done it in several of the churches up in Virginia, and I've heard nothing but great things. So I highly, highly recommend you to go and get that book. So uh, just uh, a little plug from my buddy and, uh, and my hero in the faith, Sam Lane. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter five, verse eighteen. It says, may your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? For a man's way are in full view of the Lord and he examines all his past. The evil deeds of a, weak, of a wicked man ensnare him. The cords of his sin hold him fast. He will die for lack of discipline and led astray by his own great folly. You know, I love this passage. God loves you and I. He loves you and I unbelievably, way more than what we can imagine. He wants you and I to be happy and to be successful in every area of our lives. He wants us to be happy in our discipleship with Him in our walk with Him. He wants us to be happy in our careers. He wants us to be happy in all the different things that we do. But He especially wants you and I, brothers, to be happy with our spouses. He wants you and I and our marriages to rejoice and to be the example and to be the light of all the, for, for all the people of the world in a, in a world that's filled with a, adultery and divorce and messed up marriages. Yep. He wants you and I to be the answer to them. And so you look what he says here. He says, I want you to have the woman of your youth. He wants us to rejoice in the woman of our youth, he wants us to have that loving doe, that graceful deer that we dreamed of having one day. He wants her breast to captivate us and to satisfy us. Let's just stop there for a minute. Why do you think he wants us to rejoice? He didn't say in the wife of our old. Why did he say he wants us to rejoice? In the wife of our youth. Because he wants us to think and rejoice regardless of when you got married. Yeah. And that woman when you were young. Before your hearts were clouded with pornography and adultery and impurities and hardened by the world and all the things when you dream it's just, I want that pure, and I want a righteous relationship with my wife, with the woman one day, and you dream of that. That's what he wants you to rejoice in. Regardless if you got married in the kingdom when you were 20 or 22 years old, or, or, or maybe uh, it was later on in life, and maybe you got married as a non-Christian, and then you've had to work through some stuff. But what he's challenging us here, and what he wants us to have, is he wants us to have the wife of our youth. A woman that is filled with righteousness and and we honor her righteousness and we're, we're righteous back with her. We love her for her beauty. Her beauty captivates us. We love everything about her. Our marriage is just like one constant honeymoon. Because, man, we're just rejoicing and loving her and having fun with her. I think... As Phil and I are talking about the honeymoon doesn't have to end, we got to ask ourselves an important question to start this concept off. What is the honeymoon stage in your marriage like? See, for my wife and I, we didn't become Christians until we were single. I didn't become a Christian until I was 26 years old. And my wife and I both had a sinful past. We weren't together. She, we were in total opposite parts of the country. I had a very immoral and pure life. My wife had an immoral and impure life. But you know what? God brought us into His kingdom and He forgave us of all that. And we made a, we made a vow to God, both of us, the day that we got baptized, we were going to remain pure before God. And that's exactly what we did. She did it in South Dakota and then North, North Carolina. I did it in Atlanta and then eventually in North Carolina. And finally, for me, five years of being pure, battling as a single man, not giving into pornography and immorality and, and, and all the stuff that I used to do just secondhand, fighting tooth and nail for my righteousness. Mindy and I got set up on a blind date at the Southeastern Evangelism Conference in 1999. Best conference in my life. <laughs> Got introduced, got set up on a blind date. We went out every night of the, of the conference. Wow. A couple of weeks later, I drove up to North Carolina and went out uh, on another date. We, she came down two weeks later. We went on a date in Atlanta. And finally, they asked me, they says, we're going to send you. You know, I'm, I was the older brother on staff that was single that everybody's trying to hook up. <laughs> it's like, this brother needs a wife. Right. He brother needs some help. She says, we're going to send you to North Carolina for the summer, and, and if things work out, then we'll bring you back, and we'll find a place for you and Mindy in, in Atlanta. And, and I went up there, and we just we fell in love, and we started dating. And the couple that led the marriage, or the, the campus there was an older couple and uh, had kids, and they're like, they need to be leading the married ministry. Why not you just stay here, and you all will take over and start leading the campus ministry? And we did, and less than one year ago, it was about 10 months later, Mindy and I got married. I've been completely pure for five years. My wife had been completely pure for four years. I'm telling you what, that was a good honeymoon. <laughs> we went to Jamaica, and it, Jamaica made me crazy. It was like, man, we sparks were flying. It was awesome. I, I was like, man, I never thought I would say, I, I, I may need a break for about two or three hours. You know, uh, it was like, Wow. We were hanging from the chandeliers. And it's like, man, life is good in the kingdom of God. Man, that honeymoon was awesome. We came back to North Carolina. I'm like, do we got to come back? Is there a church here in Osiris so we can lead? But now we came back to reality and, and life continued to be good. Man, those first couple years, it's just like, man. I get to have sex, I get to love, and I get to have this deeply passionate relationship with my best friend. But you know what? See, that's what the honeymoon phase is like. But then what happens? Life. Kids. (laughs) And kids, more kids. and and work, and and troubles, and death, and sickness. Every day, Satan's trying to steal that honeymoon away from our marriages. Every day, he's trying to steal that love, and that joy, and that compassion away from our marriages. And he's trying to get us to be just two ships that, that, that that are passing in the night in a house. That maybe we sleep in the same bed, we talk very little, and we're really, really tired. And we forget some of the basic keys. Go ahead and turn your Bible to Ephesians 5. On,
1: John.
0: That God commends us to have. If we want to keep that honeymoon fresh, we want to keep that love and that passion fresh in our marriage. A passage that we're all familiar with is married men, Ephesians chapter 5. Starting in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives Loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated his own body, but he feeds and he cares for it just as Christ does the church. Amen. See, I love this passage because these are the nuggets, brothers, that you and I need if we want to keep the romance going, keep the passion going, keep the honeymoon going in our marriages. We've got to love our wives just like Christ loved you and I. Here we are, even as disciples, we're still sinful wrecks. We're messed up, and the the, the best of us is messed up. But Jesus says, I love you enough to die for you, to bleed for you, to be beaten for you, to be flawed for you. I've got dreams, and I've got visions, and I've got hopes for what you can become. That's how much I love you. Despite. your your, your sin, despite your faults, despite your shortcomings. And in the same way, that's the same expectations that God has for you and I in loving our wives. We love our wives deeply. We treat them with great respect. We court them, we woo them. Remember how you courted them and you wooed them to get them to say, yes, I do? That shouldn't end. We still got to take our wives on dates. You still got to write cards to your wife. You still got to love your wife and you got to treat her as holy and as righteous. You know why? She is a daughter of the living God. You were married... To Christ, to God's daughter. I don't know about. I, I don't know if any of you all have daughters. I'll be honest with you. I feel sorry for the man who marries my daughter, because <laughs> he's got to an answer to me. Like man, like, you know, there, I, there's very few things I, I, I may lose my salvation over, but if you you mess with my daughter, I, I may one day. It's like, I hope God will forgive me. It's like, man, that, that, she's just 10 years old right now. That's why I got a basement. And uh, keep her in there. Like, you, you can start dating when you're 30. She's my daughter. Some guy's going to take her, take her out. You, you better treat her good. I, I'm watching. God's watching. He's watching us not just when we're courting our girlfriends and our fiance. He's watching how we court and how we're loving our wives. Is your wife radiant today? Is your wife without a blemish today? How do we talk to our wife? Do you love your wife? Do you show your wife that you love her by the way you talk to her? Or are you very often like me? The one person that you hang out more than anybody else in the world is your wife. So we get short with our wives. We get sarcastic with our wives. We don't treat her with the same decency that we would treat every other woman in the world. Because we're around each other a whole lot. We're used to each other. And so we justify taking shortcuts. Ah, she understands this is just who I am. This is who we are unrepentant. But we need to repent. We need to change. We need to love our wives. I love it. it says we need to love our wives above our own selves. If we'll love our wives like this passage talks about, think about our wives, talk to them, love them, put their needs above ours. We can keep the honeymoon stage. And, and, and somebody is like, okay, is it realistic to, to do this 24-7? No, we're going to mess up. The Bible says it. We're, we all fall short of the glory of God. We're going to have our, our down times. We're going to have our fights. We're going to have our quarrels. But if this passage right here is our go-to passage, is this is what we live by. We can keep our marriage. We can keep our marriage bed pure. We can keep our marriages hot. We can keep our, our marriages filled with passion. I think one of the things that I want to talk about for a minute, and I got to be perfectly honest with you, this this scares me in the men today. I think there's one big thing right now, guys, that's coming between our marriage, you you and I, and our spouses and our marriages. I think there's one major thing that's coming between us keeping the honeymoon phase in our marriage and completely just giving it away, and it's impurity. Mm. You know, earlier in this chapter, in chapter 5, verse 3, it says, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or any kind of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. You know Hebrews 13 verse 4 it says the marriage bed should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. I believe the number one thing that's stealing our honeymoons away, that's stealing the joy and the passion away from our marriages is impurity. We're being unfaithful to our wife and most importantly we're being unfaithful to to God we had a a panel for the campus guys at, at a men's retreat about two years ago we started talking about purity and I started talking about you know and I shouldn't be commended for this this is I'm just being obedient to the guys like you know at, at, at the time I it's been 20 years I've not looked at pornography I've not masturbated I struggle with lust, but I do my best to take that thought captive and, and make it obedient to God. But I've never get I've never given in to pornography. I've never given in to masturbation. And all of a sudden, some people start looking at me like I got two heads, like I'm somebody special for just being obedient to the Scriptures. Wow. Well and then some people were asking me about my convictions, and and I told them a story of a brother that as I was leading campus ministries in North Carolina that had been an impure numerous, numerous times. His discipler had gotten with him. His Bible talk leader had gotten with him. I got in there umpteen times, and, and I'd been a disciple for about eight or nine years. And I had I, I'd never said, and I used to curse like a sailor. I'd never said a curse word in eight years of being a disciple. And I'm sitting down with the discipling time with this brother, and I said, I can't believe you can't keep your D hands off yourself. And I just went off, and I'm like, I mean, I started shaking. I'm like, I'm sorry, bro, for cursing. But your sin makes me sick. I'm more indignant about your sin than you are. And I apologized. And I've never said another curse word since then. That was, whatever, 12, 13 years ago. And so I told that story at this men's conference. And all of our men's conferences, we have D groups. So we had D groups that night and the next day we're going home and I'm in a van with about six or seven brothers from Lexington and we're going back and we're talking about the D groups and what all went on and one of the brothers said, yeah, I said, man, you, you really stirred some stuff up in our D group. I'm like, really? I was like, I, you know, we're going to talk about it period. He said, Oh yeah, they couldn't believe you cursed a guy out. They thought you were harsh and mean and all wrong. I said, what did they think about the impurity part? It's like, oh, they they struggle, man. They, they, they struggle with masturbation every month. I'm like, wow. See, there lies the problem. What I did was wrong. I cursed. I, I lashed out in anger, but you know what I did? I repented. Because I've never said another curse word in 13 or 14 years. That brother's masturbating every month. He's committing adultery against God and against his wife every month and he's non-repentant. Right. And it wasn't just one, there's a couple of them. Oh. Justify oh, I, this or that. Who cares? You've got to have the character. You've got to have the courage to say, I'm not giving into this anymore. You've got to get open at the temptation stage. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not just that sin I feel for these guys' marriages. Yeah. Yeah. Because here, here's the truth, guys. When we're doing that against our wives, our wives know. They may not see the cookies and all the stuff on the computer, but they know when the twinkle of your eye is no longer towards them and it's gone towards Cyber, cyber Genie. Mm-hmm. The honeymoon phase is gone. It's, it, 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 it's gone. It's out the door. If you and I are going to get that honeymoon phase, we and we can repent and we can get that honeymoon phase back. We've got to attack purity, and righteousness unlike we ever had before. I am married to God first and foremost and then I'm married to my wife second. And nobody's going to come between either one of them. That's my vow to God. I want to be pure and holy and righteous to the best of my ability, even with my shortcomings and my faults. I want to be the man that God has called me to be. And believe you me, I make more than my fair share of mistakes. But I want to glorify God. And then secondly, I want to honor my wife. She is a child of God. She deserves my best. She deserves my purity. She deserves my righteousness. She deserves to be lifted up as radiant, as pure, as blameless, without a wrinkle. Because she is an amazing, amazing woman. And so, brothers, in closing, before Phil comes up here, I want you and your wives to have your honeymoons back. I want you to have that one holy passion, not only for God, but also for your wives again. I want you to have sex. I want you to have romance. I want you to have love. And more importantly, what I want, God wants that. But it comes from you and I making a decision. We are going to love God and then we are going to love our wives with a holy passion again. We're not going to keep the record of wrongs because we're going to wrong each other. We're just around each other all the time. We're going to wrong our spouse and they're going to wrong us. But we're not going to keep that record of wrongs. And we're going to love each other and we're going to forgive each other. And when we mess up, we're going to be the leaders that lead because we're going to be the first to apologize and say we're sorry. And man up. Let's bring the love. Let's bring the passion. Let's bring the romance back in our marriages again. Because as the title says, who says the honeymoon has to end? One of Sam Lang's favorite sayings is, honeymoons are wasted on the inexperienced. <laughs> Because the more you get to know your wife and the more she gets to know you, your marriage ought to be hotter and more exciting. And maybe we've got a few more limitations. Hey, we don't do it as many times. Uh, we're a little older. Uh, but man, we, we love our spouses in other ways as well. And our marriages can continue to have that honeymoon phase type of love. That honeymoon phase type of love and joy. Let's glorify God in all that we do by our marriages. Amen.
1: Well, that ends our class. Um, Thanks, everybody, for coming out. But, uh, Sean, that was great. Thanks, man. Um, You know, I just want to come up and share just a few practicals to help us. um, You know, um, how many of you guys feel that the honeymoon stage has ended? Um, you're like, how do not put my hand up? You know, I remember, I actually remember when I felt our honeymoon stage ended. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing my wife on the, um, sitting on the bed and tears in her eyes, and I realized, man, the honeymoon stage has ended. But I think something else happened that I wanna share. Um, the honeymoon stage ended because I believe this, is that the honeymoon stage is supposed to end. Now I got your attention. Yeah. Because the honeymoon stage is all about infatuation. It's all about having the rose colored glasses on. And I don't want to live in that stage. I want something more deeper and more real. Yeah. And I remember that the stage ended, but God took <laughs> us into a deeper, real, mature love. I think what we want is not the honeymoon stage, but we want elements of the honeymoon stage. There's elements that are part of the honeymoon stage that we want to continue in our marriage today. And I want to share just a few of those elements. Is that okay? Um, the first element here in, um, is we've got to be spiritually spontaneous. And I've read this quote. It says, Of the various types of intimacy in a marriage, the pursuit of spirituality together is one that is often forgotten. When schedules get busy and life is chaotic with jobs and chores and kids, seeking God with your spouse too often becomes last priority. But spiritual intimacy is immeasurably powerful, and its fruits flow into it, and it, it, it invigorates all other facets of our marriage. And I think I'm going to talk about sex, but I'm not going to talk about sex at all. Because I think some of we come, I'm not sure where you are, so we may be coming here and thinking, I want my sex life to be better, like it was on the honeymoon. But I think God has so much better plan for us. But it's not about sex. It's about dealing with the things that Sean talked about, our hearts. And if we can hold to some of these practicals in our hearts, I think God takes care of the rest. But the first one is our spiritually Being spiritually spontaneous. One of the things I remember about when we first got married is that we would spend a lot of time, if you guys remember, we would spend a lot of time going on these long prayer walks together. When we first got married, we we would read books together, we would study things together, and we really connected. We had this great time of like, man, we are together, we're bonded. Over the years, something happened. As the first child came, and the second child came, and the third child came, and praise God, the vasectomy came. (laughs) You know something else changed, and I'll be honest. One of the things that begin to happen is that the spiritual spark part together began to decline. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think what happened is, and I think this is me. I'm not sure where you are, but this is how I thought. I think I thought I started to feel discouraged because I didn't have the time to spend like an hour and an hour and a half with my wife like I used to. So when I think about the honeymoon stage, I'm thinking, man, we had this time that we spent together but then I started to feel discouraged well I only got 5 minutes or 10 minutes I don't I could probably make the time but I don't have the time so what I started doing is I I stopped doing the spiritual things that we used to do that connected us at a heart level and what I want to do is I want to give you just with these practicals number one, is this is let's be spiritually spontaneous Amen. I think what happens you hear these lessons we can walk away feeling guilty but I think what if we decided that the Bible never says to have a quiet time Did you know that the Bible never says to go have a set time and pray. It never says to go read your Bible. What it does say is to pray continually. It does say to meditate on the word of God day and night. And I think what happens in my mind practically, and I think about my wife because I want to bond with her spiritually Mm -hmm. as I put so much pressure on, well, we don't have the time. Instead of thinking, why don't I just spend spontaneous moments doing spiritual things with my wife what if i decided as we're just walking to the car let's just pray what if i decided hey you know hey we're driving hey babe let's just spend time praying here what if after the class you run into your wife you say hey how's it going let's pull to the side and pray and i realize it's just that we begin to bond spiritually again and i think what happens i had these grandiose things so what happens is that We don't really connect spiritually sometimes unless we can get like a whole day together or a whole chunk of time. So I just don't do it. I think another thing spiritually is, you know, I think the Bible says in in Philippians chapter three, verse eight talks and uh, Paul talks about that his greatest desire was to get to know Christ. Another thing that helps that I realized with my wife. And again, I'm telling you, these things go a long way when it talks about every other element that you may be thinking about here. Is that I begin to learn to share, intentionally share things that I'm learning about my walk with God. I begin to share again. Because I think when we first got married, we will always share. Hey, what are you growing in? What are you studying? How is God moving your heart? And I realized I got to spontaneously just begin to share. Because when I share, you know what she does? She shares. Here's what I'm reading. This shares. what she, what happens. We begin to bond spiritually and intimately. That goes in so many other ways probably the most important listen of all the things and I think I heard Sean said it over and over one of the most important things that we can do in our marriage is bond spiritually and if we bond spiritually so many other things will work themselves out next thing here is and I'm going to keep going I got just a few practicals go to Song of Solomon chapter 4 verse 7 you guys there? It says this, it says in verse 7, it says, You are altogether beautiful. There you go, here the page is turning. I want you to look at the Bible. There we go. It says, You are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. The NLT says, You are altogether beautiful, my darling. Beautiful in every way. You are absolutely flawless. The second practical is, we gotta, our wives need to stay in our minds forever flawless. You know, this passage, I know it talks about physical beauty, but I want to talk about they need to become forever flawless in the way we view them and their character and their identity. You know, when we, when we first got married, and I think this is the, this is what happened to my heart that began to take us down a different path and I realized I had to repent. When we first got married, she could do no wrong. I remember talking to her and she said, um, right before we got married, she said, um, do you know me? Do you really know who you're marrying? And I said, of course I know who who I'm marrying. And I said, I know you can be a bit proud at times, but I love that about you. And I remember I started thinking about, I think I love that my wife is strong-willed, I love this. You know my wife, right? I know my wife has some deep convictions. My wife is passionate. And I'm thinking like, this is the woman I want to marry because she'll, make me, she'll help me make it to heaven. Until those passions started to come towards me. <laughs> <laughs> Until all of a sudden, those deep convictions were about things that affected me. And I saw that pride that I thought, man, I love that about you. I remember my heart thinking, I don't like that about you. Right. And I think the, what happened is she became flawed in my heart and my mind. Maybe a better passage is the Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 8, love covers a multitude of sins. Amen. And my wife is an amazing woman, but what happened where I feel like here's an element of the honeymoon stage that at one point I saw her as flawless. But over time, I began to stop loving her to overlooking her sins. And I realized the problem wasn't with her because she hadn't changed. The problem was with me. That I stopped loving her. I stopped overlooking. That same passionate, strong-willed woman full of conviction and passion, she was there, but I changed. I remember because she said to me one day, in honey, you're not as patient with me as you used to be. And I felt, what do, you, what do you mean? She's like, you get upset with me more than you used to. And I thought, that's the issue with my heart. And I think what happens sometimes, is not that our wives change, it's that we've changed. Because, you know, at the honeymoon stage, what happens is like everything is, man, I love that. You know, like how many of our wives had that little look that when she does that look, it's like displeasure, it's disrespect. She don't have to say a word, but she gives you that, that look or that thing, and it's like, why did you say that? She's like, I didn't say anything, but you disrespected me with that look. <laughs> See, that look at one point is, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> that's my baby. Mercy. But now, it's, a whole argument has started internally. Yeah. Just with a look. And I realized what happened is that she had become flawless. I began, I mean, full of flaws, I began to look at her not as God's daughter, but I began to view her as disrespectful. I began to put her identity as she's proud. And I realized when that began to happen, the honeymoon ended because not because of her, but because she has stopped being forever flawless in my heart. You know, one of the things, the decision is I had to repent. I had to repent of my marriage. I had to repent, my marriage had to change. I had to repent of the way I viewed my wife. Right. If your honeymoon, if you feel like it's in some ways ended and you feel like, man, she's not the same. Well, guess what? You're not the same. Yeah. Right. Maybe there's some things, just practically, if you don't see your wife as that same, I'm not saying she doesn't have sin. Hear me all right. We got sin. I appreciate you saying that. They have sin. We all have sin, but I think there's, when we stop loving and loving our wives where love covers two covers a multitude of sin, right. you're going to find, why is my marriage just dragging along because you forgot maybe that you've been forgiven of your past sins? Mm-hmm. Come on. Number three, I only have four. Is this helpful so far? Just a little yeah. bit. Just. And I'm, actually, I'm just trying to share things that have helped me. Go to, We're in Song of Solomon. Yeah. All right, let's look at these verses. And when I, I read through Song of Solomon, I realized there's something every time he speaks he says something about his wife over and over again. In chapter 1, verse 9, it says, I liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's, ferrets, Pharaoh's chariot horses. Your cheeks are what? Lovely. Lovely. Some translation says beautiful. In verse 15, it says, How beautiful you are, my darling. In chapter 4, verse 1, he says, How beautiful you are, my darling. In chapter 7, you are altogether beautiful, my darling. Over in chapter 6, verse 4, you are as, as beautiful in chapter 7. How beautiful you are in chapter 7, verse 6. You are beautiful. My third point is you've got to continue to boast in her beauty. Amen. I wish we had pictures, we had media here, I remember, I remember my wife walking down the aisle. Do you remember? Take a second and remember your wife at the altar you remember how beautiful she was? She still is, okay? I'm talking about my wife. I'm not talking about yours. (laughs) You, that's your own. But you remember when you first saw her, you thought, man, she's the most beautiful woman ever. Just a side note. When you start seeing her flaws, you don't overlook them, then she stops being beautiful, doesn't she? she It's not her that's changed. It's our hearts that's changed. But the reason I wonder, why did he keep telling her? And you think about your wife. Why do he keep telling her, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful? Because in their society, her being a darker-skinned woman who had been out tanning or been out in the sun, in her society, she was considered unbeautiful. And what happened is he kept telling her she's beautiful because she needed to hear that. I think in our society today, with all the pornography With all, this is, the idol is sex. Our wives need to hear how beautiful they are. Women are insecure. They may not come across, but women are incredibly insecure in our culture, in our world. And I know, I know my wife, I don't know your wife, but I know that deep down the side, she she could be insecure too, but I, I realize this, that I don't think a day has passed, I don't want to exaggerate, that I have not complimented on my wife's beauty. Mm. I'm not talking about just superficial. Like, I compliment my wife on so many parts of her body. I'm like, you are beautiful, I love you. And I think even after we had children, the second child and the third child, and every time, every, and this is just me, I could be weird this way, when I my best part of the day, and, and, and don't you ask her because she won't tell you if she tells me, but I go upstairs and I lay across the bed and I wait for her to take off her clothes, and sometimes I come up and like you couldn't wait, you knew I was coming upstairs. Like for me, it's like it's my peep show, right? All right, and then but I realize this. I realize there's times when she's taking off her clothes, and sometimes she'll look back and be like, "Is he looking?" And I realized that she needs to know that she's beautiful. She needs to know that she's flawless. She needs to know that I love her. Now, here's what's happened over time. My standard of beauty has become my wife. I'm not sure if you understand what I'm saying. My standard of beauty has become my wife. Your wives... And other women, they're too skinny or they're too big. They're too light or they're too dark. They're too short because my standard of a beauty looks like is what my wife is like, looks like. And I think, I realized, man, I'm, I am invested. You are the most beautiful woman. She says, but I've gained weight. I, oh, I love that. It's funny because after the child she lost weight, it's like, man, I miss you. <laughs> but I had to change my standard. As she changed, but I realized the trap that we fall into is our wives will say, "Well, you're supposed to say that because you're my husband," and we stop saying. It. I'm like, because deep down inside, they do want to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. We have to continue to tell our wives how beautiful they are. Simple practicals. I'm just think- these are things that I've learned. I'm dealing. I have to deal with my heart, and I realize that if you are looking at pornography, you're not confess unless what happens that you don't see a wife as beautiful because you have this fake image in your mind right. and that distorts your marriage mm. Our time is up so i just and the last thing I have like a few minutes here is the last thing we have to con- we have to be consistently considerate 1st Peter chapter 3 verse 7 it says husbands be considerate as your wives as you live with them you know, when we first got married, man, I would, my wife, she worked as a lawyer and I worked in a ministry, but I would clean up after myself. And you guys used to do dishes a lot when you first got married? You, you, right, see, that's young men. Look at them. See, look at them. How many of you guys do dishes, right? Right? Yeah, they're like, yeah, you remember that, right? You do laundry, right? You pick up after yourself and you do all of these things because you're thinking about her. You want to sit down and just talk. How was your day? And you start talking and you're connecting, right? And you're like, at, a, at that age, it's like, man, I want to do that, but what happened? what's happening now? Mm-hmm. Remember I told you the begin, I remember when the honeymoon ended? Here's what happened. It sounds crazy. Here's what happened. I started leaving my socks on the floor. Mm-hmm. Right. Sounds silly, doesn't it? And one day I'd come and she says, you keep leaving your socks and your shoes on the floor and you don't pick them up. In my mind, I'm thinking, their socks and shoes, pick them up. And she broke down in tears. She says, you don't consider me. I keep cleaning up after you, and I think, man, I've become inconsiderate of my wife. Right. Now, that's, a, that's one thing. That's not a, that wasn't a small thing in my marriage. That, that was a lot of tears. Right. Yeah. But I think there's so many other areas where I realize I've got to be continually considerate of my wife. Mm-hmm. Talk about and what I did six years ago <clears throat> is in my journal... I have a space that says my relationship with God, my relationship with my wife. And in that I put, love my wife, be considerate of her. And every week, and this is, I can show you my journal. It's almost seven years now, six, seven years. I put what areas I need to be considerate. And I listen to her. And I write it down in the journal. And I make sure that week, oh, she's having a hard week. I'm going to clean the house. I'm going to do this. She's having a hard week. Let me do this with the kids. And I write these things down. And I'm telling you, our marriage is different. Because I had to repent. I had to learn to be continually considerate of my wife. Our time is up. But hopefully, I think, Sean, the things, things, the things that Sean shared about our hearts, we got to take those things to heart, right? But I think also some of these practicals of we got to decide to be spontaneously spiritual. Even today, you can find a moment where you can say, honey, hey, what are you learning? Let's go pray. Let me share with you what I've, what I've learned. If right now you've walked in here and you're thinking, my wife, she needs to change. Maybe it's God saying, your heart needs to change. She's God's amazing daughter. Pray, what is it? Why, what's changed? Maybe you've changed. Beauty, compliment your wife as much as you can. Not just generally, but specifically. And last thing, ask yourself, are there some areas where I've been inconsiderate? That's maybe putting up a wall between my wife and I. Guys, thanks so much. I pray that God will bless our marriages. Thanks. Have a good one.